Welcome to 2016, Wilson. Congratulations on making it this far in your life. I know. I, you know, told my parents and they couldn't believe it. Did you do anything to celebrate the beginning of the year? I did not, other than sitting at my home, planning out whether or not a apartment was going to be suitable to move into. What did you decide? Uh, I decided, yes, it was suitable for me to move into. And So when are you going to move into it? Um, so I contacted a broker. Uh, we're going to do the application on Monday, and then we're going to figure it out. But it'll probably be middle of this month. Uh, oh, that'll be moving. That's pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, so you, okay. So your your current place, they decided to go ahead and sell it sooner rather than later? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening, I, I think, in downtown Brooklyn. Not to mention, I think they could just you know sell it at a premium, having told people that I lived there former home of Wilson Poe. Yeah. Um, and they'd say, you mean him, Jean Poe? <laughs> the him, Jean Poe? Um, where are you, what neighborhood are you moving to? I am moving literally down the street. Okay. Yes. Um, what floor is the apartment in? 14. How many floors are in the building? I don't know. Many? Uh... More than 14. Like, is it in the middle? Is it near the top? It's in the middle. Okay. Um, is it one of those buildings where the 13th floor is skipped? I don't know. I've, I forgot to look. Because you might be on the 13th floor. But 14 You might really be on the 13th floor. But 14 isn't lucky in Chinese either. Let's put that into perspective. Yeah. So you've, you're, like, doubly unlucky. There, there's yeah. no way this apartment isn't unlucky. Maybe if I get black cat... And just like live under ladders. Mm -hmm. You um, could do that. I'll counteract it by you could, going You could overboard. make sure you have broken mirrors in your bathroom. Yeah. Um, you could not throw salt over your shoulder <laughs> in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that, is, is that You have to throw salt over your shoulder in some situation, but I don't know what, I don't remember what situation it is. That sounds like That's a. That's like a good luck thing. Like you're trying to ward off like vampires or something like that. Oh, vampires that. that happen to also no, that's be garlic. slugs. Vampire slugs. Yeah, you'd use garlic salt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when to throw salt over your shoulder. The most common contemporary belief requires you to toss a pinch of the spilt salt over your left shoulder into the face of the devil who lurks there. That's just mean. That's really mean. Well, Throwing salt into got, somebody's eyes? Come on. I you mean, got the devil on your left shoulder and an angel on your right shoulder. And the devil tells you to do bad things. The angel tells you to do good right. things. So if you spill salt, you throw the salt into the devil's face. How about winning him over with like honey? Though, I mean, I'm not suggesting throwing honey over your shoulder. That sounds sticky and unpleasant. But um, it just seems really mean. There's another... Uh, belief that it's lucky to spill wine when uh, when you spill salt. Like it, I guess it it counteracts the spill of salt to spill wine. Like spill it forward. Spill I'm not really sure. This is a Wikipedia article, and it said there's a report that a diner who spilt salt made a waiter spill wine into his lap to counteract the bad luck. That just sounds like a fetish. It might have been a fetish. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Throwing salt over my shoulder. That's something I learned here today, if anything. So speaking of bad luck. Um, <laughs> I really want to see the segue. We were talking earlier about how to avoid having bad luck with your Tableau server. <laughs> and we have some ideas for that. I want you to imagine a scenario. I want you to imagine that you run a tableau server can you imagine that i did for a long time is your so mind I, capable of handling that scenario that imaginary hypothetical you know it's tough but i'll try i want you to imagine that you have been running that tableau server as an administrator for several months mm -hmm. and it's time wilson it's time mm -hmm. for you to look at the server and think about whether it's time to expand the mm -hmm. server, if, if it's if your needs as an organization uh, from an analytics perspective are I mean you right. need to to get more more Tableau servers mm -hmm. in your life. All right, that uh, you're not you're a polyamorous Tableau server uh, administrator. Well, maybe I just want more more of the same, right? Uh, let's not rule. You're just trying to spice right it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are the things you think about? Well, there's a lot I think that kind of comes into play. A lot is that's based on the demand itself. So really understanding who's using it, how they're using it, um, what some of the future usage really might be, um, as well as of course some of the things that I've might have been interested to incorporate into my server as well. Right, um, the idea that I want to really kind of establish a more automated uptime or better availability of the server itself. Um, or that I'm noticing, of course, specific issues that are happening on my server, like that I'm simply noticing that the hardware itself is being strained by the current usage. Um, and that might be causing some folks to be unhappy. And we can talk about basically what that might really mean. Uh, but any number of those things, or maybe even a combination of those things, are the things that I typically look at when I'm considering basically that question. So it sounds like there's a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. um, something that I get a lot when I'm working with customers who are mm -hmm. thinking about uh, implementing a Tableau server is they ask just general planning questions like, yeah. you know, what, how should we account for the number of users that we have and how should we how should we change when it's time to upgrade and what should we do with different projects we have and how do we, how do we just get our minds around this, this process of running the server? Um, and there aren't really any um, best practices documents on like, this is what you should do on day one. This is what you should do on day two, et cetera. That's not really how we think about things. I don't think as a company, but um, what I think we were kind of trying to do when we were planning out this podcast was 
are there sort of stages in a Tableau server's growth that we can sort of plan for so that it's successful from the beginning and so that we're ready and, and know how to expand it as, as our needs change. Um, so I think this episode is going to be called Architecting and Planning Tableau Server. And I think what we'll go through is we'll go through kind of a few different stages of a Tableau Server being brought into the world. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a fitting topic for uh, the New Year's, right? Yes. New Year, new server. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe that's the name of the episode. Um, <laughs> new Year, New Wilson. Um, so I, I think the, the three different stages that I want to talk about are, first, what are some of the things? I kind of want to take it from the scenario of, of you have a server, but mm -hmm. I want to look back and say, okay, I've got a server. What are some of the things I did to make it successful before I installed it? What are the things I did when I was kind of in its infancy, right. when it was installed and running, but I was kind of growing usage? Right. And now what can I do now to mm -hmm. plan for growth? Right. So, uh, so I think... Um, I think the, the intention here is that um, to lay out a little bit of a framework for people who maybe are dealing with this and are thinking about how they can best um, put a server in place that's going to meet all the needs of the business, mm -hmm. but it's also going to um, perform well. It's right. going to um, match any service level agreements they have, right? Um, mm -hmm. Things like that. Yeah. Uh, and from our perspective, something that you said to me earlier was that um, it's not so much about um, us designing a project, a business project to fit Tableau Server. It's more about us providing infrastructure to meet whatever project a company or a customer or a business has. Right. And I think when, you know, for both of us, since we're both in pre-sales, we, we tend to kind of focus on that conversation when server is really brought up, right? Um, it is supposed to be just a platform for us to continue sharing. And in order for the platform to be useful, to, to provide value back to our users, um, it's really about basically thinking about how the platform is doing overall. Uh, and then of course, really thinking through specifically the projects that might we might make available directly on it uh, in order for people to uh, really leverage that server and leverage that platform effectively. Um, so we're, we're definitely thinking about this less in terms of a functionality standpoint, but thinking about it in a way that it's building a foundation for how we consume analytics uh, in the organization. Okay, so uh, let's let's look at that first kind of stage and mm -hmm. think about so what, what parts of that I can plan for as I'm right. starting and as I'm just thinking about and getting ready to install a Tableau server. I have an analytics project. Surely what my first step is to list out all the reports that I'm going to publish mm -hmm. and uh, create a project plan for each one and assign mm -hmm. uh, owners for the project plan and, um, and do all that before I install the server, right? Not quite. And, and to be honest, I think that this is the one thing that we tend to, well, we, we hear quite a bit, depending on the type of company that we're working with. I'm sure with enterprises, you hear this a lot more. But the, the whole idea here is that you're not thinking about your server, again, as sort of the functionality that you're going to be adding to a specific project that's there. And so with that, you're thinking about just simply setting up the platform so that each of these projects ultimately have a place to go 
um, when we need to start sharing that information out there uh, with the rest of the company, with our client base. But Wilson, I, I really want to make sure people actually use analytics mm -hmm. in my company. Right. And I don't know how they're going to use analytics if, um, if I haven't provided them useful reports. Right. Why, why, would they, why would they use the server at all then? It doesn't sound like I need to buy anything. Well, it really depends on sort of the way that we want to continue sharing analytics. I mean, ultimately, I think one of the big things that we are looking for um, as we kind of work with clients, customers, is a bit of a common ground that analytics is important. Analytics should be shared with as many uh, people as possible so that we can really kind of strike up a conversation and make decisions based off the, the, the numbers that's there. Um, well, you know... Ultimately, I think it, it boils down to that, right? And so if we are trying to advocate more and more usage, we got to make it easier for people to get a hold of some of this information, whether it's the upkeep of some of these reports. So managing reports, I think a lot of folks really have that experience of doing it monthly or weekly. Um, it's a pain. It's really obnoxious to try to do that, right? Or of course, just dealing with the emailing mess of when reports go where, who gets what and what happens if somebody doesn't get their report. A lot of these questions get solved really with that server piece. And it's really about basically agreeing with that fundamental, that main argument, I would say. Okay. So, right. so you're saying it's, it's not about providing a set of reports. It's about kind of empowering the business to do analytics. Yeah. I get it. So, but I, of course, I, I guess what I, what I obviously need to do before I install the server, then at least is mm -hmm. to clearly align uh, my technology and business groups into specific roles and responsibilities for what they can and can't do on the server. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know how we're going to organize this, right? Uh, a lot of that kind of comes with the evolution once you start uh, deploying your server. Um, so it's a little bit different the way that we, Tableau kind of approaches things. A lot of things are, end up being a little bit more flexible. Uh, and it really does allow for us to experiment with what works, what doesn't work, to see how individual pilot groups will start to interact with the server, what they liked, what they didn't like, and what needs to change, and for us to start kind of growing out that way. What ends up being really much more essential is just to think about this as a sharing platform, right? Um, it's a bulletin board. You want to start structuring the, the rules that kind of govern that board when we start to get a lot of content and there are, of course, much more uh, requirements about how we want to actually do things about that bulletin board. Without it being used, you don't need to overly dictate or overly construct uh, rules around it up until that point. Okay. So I think the, the point we're kind of trying to illustrate here is that um, a, a Tableau server is, uh, is infrastructure, mm -hmm. right? It is not specific functionality. Right. Um, and that's an important distinction because I think it goes along with some of the other things we've said on our podcast kind of over and over again, which is that it requires sort of a belief in a uh, philosophical investment in analytics being a valuable thing for your business. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to believe that um, making decisions based on the data and information that you're collecting um, and giving people the power to do that regardless of their technical experience uh, or background is important. And if you believe that, then you actually do get to this place where it's more important to just think about how do you empower people to use the infrastructure than it is to, to get a specific 
piece of functionality in place. Yeah. I mean, the analogy I always like to make is it's kind of like getting a company fridge in the break room where if you initially just set up too many rules or, of course, think that that's one size fits all, we get one fridge and that's it uh, from a get-go, you're largely overthinking how things should work, right? Setting up rules for who can put where, the things where, and, and that ends up, of course, being much more restrictive. People start stop using, of course, the, the tool itself, the appliance itself, and people don't see as much value as if you simply made it available to folks that's there. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things is, as it evolves, people will start to build their own process around it, and we have to think about sort of the rules that govern it as we start to kind of evolve with it. I'm going to expand your analogy. Okay. Um, so a lot of the times BI will be implemented by collecting a list of requirements from a business group mm-hmm. that, su- that is supposed to represent um, the needs of that group for analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your analogy about a fridge works if the company buys a fridge for a break room and asks one person what the fridge should be stocked with and only stocks it with that. Right. Um, and then if, if someone else has an idea what to stock it with, they have to go through an approval process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's sort of an, sort of an analogy. I'm not sure if it's good <laughs> or not, but it's, it's something. We just said words. Um, so, okay. So we don't need to think about a list of reports necessarily from this from the get go. Mm-hmm. We don't need to clearly delineate roles and responsibilities outside of maybe having an administrator uh, or a team that's going to do the installation kind of called out. Um, what are things we do need to have before we install Tableau Server? So with sort of the the experience I have deploying servers, it typically boils down to kind of three things. There, um, a is the hardware suitable for what we kind of estimate the demand to be. Okay. Um, so are we within ballpark, right? And that's one of the big pieces to, to kind of look out for when we start thinking about this. Um, uh, when we start actually deploying this, right, what is the right security model? And again, this isn't something that's perfect, um, but what we tend to figure out is what type of data might actually sit on top of this server. And then on top of it, of course, how are we going to actually govern some of those content uh, and, and access uh, that we need on on that information that's there. Okay, so let's. So you said hardware mm-hmm. is hardware suitable. Is security? Do we have security and permissions defined? Mm-hmm. And then what was the third one? Uh, so the third one is really access. Right? How people are going to how access. people are accessing. Okay, so let's go through those three. So hardware is hardware is is hardware adic- adequate for our use case? Right, we're mm-hmm. installing a server. We want to make sure that the amount of computer hardware we have is going to be enough mm-hmm. for what we're trying to do and right. not too much because um, we don't want to spend too much money. Um, how, do we, how do we determine that? That's right. So it's, it's all about kind of ballparking to really kind of understand whether or not we have sort of the right tier of hardware underneath there. Uh, one of the things I think that it's probably worth highlighting here is uh, Tableau for the most part when we uh, deploy into production, our recommendation is consistently eight cores or above, right? Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, when we are starting to think about growth, uh, it really is about growing in that eight core increment 
And so the hardware capacity, as we start to think about it, is really about whether it's 8-core, 16-core, 24-core. Though, of course, that can be a little bit fuzzy at times, too. So Tableau is licensed in 8-core increments, uh, typically, and it doesn't have to be, but that's, that's the general guideline. Um, and um, measuring hardware... This is not really about licensing because licensing can come in a different, different, couple different forms. But just in terms of measuring hardware and making sure that matches up toward to the number of users that are there uh, is a matter of saying, does, does that amount of usage match up the, the estimate that we have for that? Does that match up closer to an eight core? Does that match up closer to two eight cores? Does that match up closer? Okay. Um, and this is where you're really looking to kind of ballpark it. You know, right. um, you can definitely do tests to get it more precise. Yeah. But every use case is different. Um, and so, so what's the pain point with that, though? I mean, we we run into this a lot. Um, people are saying, "Tell me how many users my server can handle," right? Mm -hmm. And and why is that such a difficult question for for us to really answer? It's a difficult question because um, a user doesn't really tell us how much the server is actually going to be used, how mm -hmm. much the hardware is going to be utilized, right? Um, first of all, just having a total number of users doesn't give us any idea of usage rates, right? Like in some cases, a server will be used constantly and people will be on it all the time. In some cases, a server will be used infrequently and people on it once a day or once a week. Yeah. And that the server that's infrequently used can be just as valuable as a server that's constantly used, but the amount of hardware utilization is much different. Yeah. And so the, the same number of people in those two different use cases will have drastically different hardware requirements. Yeah. And then even within utilization rates, even with consistent utilization rates, is there's there's 10 people on the server at the same time all interacting with content, or there's 100 people on the server all on the same time all interacting with content. The uh, type of content that's there impacts it, whether it's a lot of data, whether it's a little data, whether it's very complicated visual analytics or whether it's just a simple picture that doesn't isn't interacted with at all. Um, there's, uh, there's the concept of other things that the server is doing. Is it running background processes? Um, there's all these different factors that have to do with that and, and not to mention the configuration of the server itself. So it's not really it's not really a fair question to say how many users can our hardware match. It's mm -hmm. more how much harder do we need to match our use case? And really the activity. And I think that's one of the points that's kind of worth highlighting here, right? It's it's one of the big things that you want to think about when you're thinking about hardware is that it's a match against the amount of activity that we have. And activity actually by itself, there are a variety of, of activity, right? There's really complex activity that can go on within Tableau. Uh, and of course, other things like, for example, cached views and returning some of that information that could be really quick and useful there, um, or really quick in general and, and small. And and the reason I think we're recommending putting that activity measurement after the server is installed is because you won't actually know what activity rates are going right. to be at the beginning. You can estimate, but your estimates might be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can't do a really highly scientific measurement of mm -hmm. server hardware to a made-up estimate of right. activity um, if you're wrong, you you could find that you need drastically different things and you need to go do it again anyway. So um, it's better to try to get close right. with your first estimate and then evaluate as you go. Um, and that's what we see a lot of our customers do is they implement a phased rollout where they start 
with uh, a server in an environment that's safe and maybe doesn't apply to every single use case they're managing, uh, imagining, but mm-hmm. um, but one that applies to some of them and just sees what the rates of activity that they actually do encounter are. Mm-hmm. And they use that to help move into further phases. Right. Yeah. And, and the one thing, though, I, I really do find is that people th- do get very confused here then, right? Um, you know, earlier we were just saying that it doesn't make sense to pre-plan everything that's there. But we are finding that having better estimates, right, will mm-hmm. get us a better idea of whether or not hardware is a good fit. So wouldn't it make sense for me to say, hey, identify the 10 projects that will ever live on Tableau server and then, of course, size them appropriately based off of that? Yeah, I mean, it, you could do that. I think what you find is that um, usage isn't consistent over time and it grows and it changes and mm-hmm. the, the growth of a business and how a business changes affects that as well as right. um, how people interact with data within an organization, which changes, right? Like people invest in different databases and that's not, that's not reliant, Tableau's not reliant on what type of data you use or, or what type of system you use to access the server. So there's all these different factors that'll impact that. Um, one of the things that I did with a customer this year or last year, I guess, mm-hmm. in 2015, um, that's the one time I'll make that joke, um, which isn't really a joke, but um, is they they wanted to have very precise uh, estimates around you know how the server was going to scale to the number of people they're expecting. And they're expecting really large amounts of, of people to access mm-hmm. the server, and we took it from the perspective of okay, what what do you want it to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, understanding that the first use case you bring to the server, the first several months that you use the server probably won't be this way, but what do you want it to be? How many people in an ideal state are accessing this thing? And then we can say, okay, for that, we think you'd need this much hardware. Mm-hmm. For this many people and for this amount of access and for this many different types of customers that might be accessing this server, um, we think that you'd need this much hardware to meet those use cases. Um, and we believe that it'll, it'll work for that. Um, so let's, let's start at a fraction of that unless you want to buy acres of software right now. Right? right. And that helped kind of put a plan in place for growth, which I think was, is really important. Um, and part of this is, is thinking about, um, where are we right now and what does it make sense for us to plan for? Um, do you have an opinion on that in terms of like when when you're thinking about hardware, should you architect the server toward how many people you think you have right now? Should you architect it to the number of people you'll have in a year? Where, where, where is the sweet spot there? So I really like the term you use, acres of software. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Do you want to highlight that? It's called imagery. Mm. <laughs> Um, I think it's really about projecting where things will really be uh, when we go into production, right? And what we really mean by that is roughly what, when does it make sense for us to re-architect versus, of course, just really kind of planning out to that single point. You definitely don't want to just plan for the projects you have on hand. Uh, I think, like you mentioned, there's a bit of an ebb and flow between use, usage of analytics and much like if we think about analytics in the same sense of how uh, original content, uh, whether it be news publication or, of course, uh, TV shows work, right? Mm-hmm. 
there is a viewership initially that is higher and that will generate peaks that will be a little bit more active. And then it'll trail off into a much more consistent tail that's going to be a little bit lower um, as we kind of move along. And of course, one of the big things that we do find and the value behind it is uh, that we can continue putting new content on there, that we can essentially basically evolve our analytics um, as a process on this platform, right? Right. So in my mind, it's really about planning it out a little bit. My general timeline, I would say, planning out, plan it out a little bit towards sort of the three to six months so that you have a runway for how you might want to deploy the server itself, right? Um, if things change, it's fairly easy to upgrade. Um, and that's one of the big things for us. We're not thinking about mm -hmm. different products or different tiers. It's really about then just augmenting that server for the use cases that do come up. Okay, so for the purposes of this framework, that actually fits really well because we're going to talk about mm -hmm. what you do kind of in the first three months as sort of a planning and kind of getting your, your feet under you, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, starting to plan for growth. And, right. um, and that allows you to evaluate in that time period how many people you think you're going to be supporting in the three to six month range right. and then how many people... Uh, after that is sort of something that you can plan for as you go. Yeah, and I'll highlight the point that when we say three to six months, um, that's sort of arbitrary, arbitrary yeah. right? Yeah, that's I sort mean, of it's what we've decided is a is kind of makes sense yeah. in our minds. So some but, folks, it might be yeah. the the first year and second year. Um, it could be, of course, well, month one, month two, depending on how yeah, quickly we, we go. think. I think as Tableau aficionados, that. <laughs> um, that the software can actually be implemented very successfully in a very short period of time, but we're talking. But this is actually more about how long it takes for a business to uh, notice and plan and see trends and growth rates and 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 project accurately how many people will be using stuff like this. And that's a little more complicated. Yeah, one of the things I think it's worth highlighting is even when we did sort of the service startups when we're deploying. Uh, working with our customers to deploy basically their first Tableau server um, as part of their purchase or things like that. Um, usually what happened is like on day one, uh, within 45 minutes, we've had the server actually installed. Yeah, so, so the it's, installation it's, itself is very easy and fast. Right, this yeah. is really about the planning, right? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely not, you know, the those projects that you hear about that takes six months in order to actually complete. This is, mm -hmm. yeah. But anyways, okay. um, kind of getting back to the point that's there, we kind of talked about the hardware itself, and th there's a lot we can get into specifically around sizing, right? There's a lot of nuances involved with it. Um, yeah, what I would say is um, there's there's Tableau documents, their scalability tests. Mm -hmm. So if you're just looking for um, kind of just rough numbers, mm -hmm. then you can find documentation uh, yeah. on that. Um, don't again don't get too specific because you have to count for margins for error and things like right. that um, and tableau is also very happy to help do sizing exercises to yeah. give you estimates that are kind of tableau recommended yeah. um to, if if that helps um so that i mean those are the, the only things i think we really need to say on sizing to oh, yeah. start yeah. with because Really, those are that's about as much detail as you can know when you're planning an analytics project. Right. No, um, no, your ballpark is ten people, a thousand people. Um, but I mean, for the most part, you're you are basically just thinking about what, in general, you're going to be really using our server for. Yeah. Don't get too yeah. Don't get too caught up on the details there. 
So, okay. So the next part that you said we should kind of think about as, mm -hmm. as we're installing the server is defining our security and permissions. Right. So um, what does that entail? So with security, I think a big piece behind here is just knowing how you're going to arrange the content, right? And that comes with both the idea of who can see what type of content, as well as, of course, some of the actual data security that mm -hmm. might be underneath. Like, for example, if I show, uh, if this is a, there's an HR type of analytics that are going to show up on my uh, show up on my server, mm -hmm. um, I gotta be able to Good information about employees yeah, and their social sure security, social security numbers, numbers right? yeah. and things like that is uh, is not available, right? And so it's really about sort of securing so, some of that information down so that we can enable sort of a safe sharing environment in general, right? Um, and so having some idea of how that might work uh, will be important. Um, do you want to organize it by departments? Mm -hmm. Do you want to, uh, are there actual groups that we can associate this to? Um, and just having a, a general sense in terms of how directions will go from there. Okay. So, yeah, I think, I think we can probably, um, it, it's kind of tough because I think from a database security perspective, there's going to be rules about who can access what parts of the data. Mm -hmm. But like we said before, we're not going to necessarily have a complete picture of all the different content that we're going to be providing. So I think it's more of an exercise of saying, you know, when someone, uh, when someone has an analysis they want to share, do we allow them to share it with the entire company? Do we allow them to share it with people in their department? Do we allow them to not share it with anything, anyone until we put it through a promotion process? I think, those are the types of rules that need to be in place first because those are rules that you implement kind of as you install the server. Right. And then you can kind of audit them as you go. Yeah, and I would actually argue that the whole promotion process thing, a lot of that does get hashed out once you start rolling something into production, right? So remember, you're setting up the platform and rolling your project on production. Keep those concepts separate because you're largely thinking about infrastructure as opposed to uh, running something very project-based there. Okay. Some of those things, I think it's probably, well, I think you and I see different sort of perspectives of this, but I think it, it, it gets worked out um, over time is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think from, I mean, that promotion thing we can get more into later, yeah. but I think, um, I, I think it's, I, what I would probably argue is that you should give access to as many people as you can and, and the ability yeah. to promote and, and publish to as many people as you can in a testing and trial stage and then kind of figure out what rules need to be put in place as you go because you're just not going to know what people are going to be creating. Um, it's a different software than other BI mm -hmm. uh, platforms. And so it's a different, there are different people that are going to use it. And so it's hard to predict exactly what rules should apply. Um, but a lot of businesses have policies around if you're going to put something in production, it needs to go through certain promotion cycles. And so if those are your rules, then you have to know those when you're setting up permissions on the server. Um, I've, uh, I've, I usually will recommend if it's a kind of a environment like that where they do have policies, I'll usually recommend that you, you still create a sandbox area where anyone can share Mm -hmm. And then for content that needs to be highly regulated, then you then you go through a promotion process for that. But you don't restrict people's ability to share outright because that um, kind of defeats the purpose of this mm -hmm. uh, this endeavor. Um, okay, but 
But I do think, yeah, the content security, having a good idea of how you're going to organize the content is mm-hmm. probably where that comes from is saying, okay, well, we're going to give access to HR, we're going to give access to marketing, we're going to give access to sales. Um, do we uh, put all their content in different areas? Do Is there any value in them being able to share with each other? You know, those are the types of things that we um, probably want to have at least some sort of policy for to start with. And then again, the second stage is going to be about auditing those policies so we know what works. Right. Yeah, and I, I do think that some of the folks who do go with sort of our hardware licensing model do struggle with that piece a little bit more. Um, it's mm-hmm. easy when it's named set users, right? I know where my licenses are going, who's going to see it, what's going to happen with it. Um, and of course, uh, a defined set of individuals is always easier to manage. There's some technical elements that you can um, work with just to make just to make that easy. Like you can integrate with Active Directory groups, yep. right? So like a lot of businesses just store their organization and people through Active Directory groups. And so you could just import those right into Tableau and let those dictate kind of what groups people belong to. Mm-hmm. And then you can set up rules that align with those groups. Right. Um, so from a technical perspective, you can look at some of the things you already have um, in terms of how you authenticate people into your organization and use those to integrate with how Tableau does those things. Um, it's not something that you need to create a whole new model for. And yeah, similar to, I think, your note a little bit earlier, one of the things I strongly encourage is, you know, the, bring up the, the, the topic when, you know, you guys are looking at specifically uh, deploying a server or uh, even, of course, when your consultant comes on site for a ser- server kickstart, right? So mm-hmm. when, when they're actually deploying the server, really make sure to have that in-depth discussion because it really is about sort of planning out how we envision our analytics working, which might be a little bit different or might just mirror existing processes. We, we want to make sure that as we start to kind of build the foundations here, it's kind of built off correctly. Okay. Uh, and lastly, how are people going to access right. the server? So this is important to know because it's going to dictate how you deliver the content to your business users, mm-hmm. right? So um, are people going to only access the Tableau server by going, opening up their laptop and opening up a web browser and typing in a URL? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to access it on a mobile device? Are they going to access it through any other websites that maybe you already have that maybe are for internal employees or are you going to, are they going to access it externally outside of your environment? That's going to affect where the hardware sits and how the network components play with each other. And um, if there are other pieces of software that you have to think about integration as you install Tableau, right. are there things that you need to select when you install it that, um, allow it to integrate with different things like for authentication reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, that's just like an, a logistical yeah. uh, challenge, which is just you have to have some sort of vision for how people are going to access. Um, you also have to have the knowledge that it's relatively easy to change if that strategy changes. If you decide that a year from now that you need to allow people to access it from their iPads, you can, you can make that happen. You don't have to, you don't have to think about all of that stuff up front, but you have to have some idea of how people are going to use it from the beginning because that's going to affect how you install. Yeah. Changes like, for example, what platform they access it through, whether it's embedded or not embedded, whether it's through, you know, mobile devices or especially mm-hmm. since we, we are doing quite a lot of development these days, specifically in both the, the tablet as well as, of course, the, the phone space now. Um, 
Those questions come a little bit later. The biggest question is really, again, thinking about the access, I would say focus on the network access um, and what that means for you guys, right? Um, so one of the big things that we see people shifting, um, shifting their deployment towards is when they actually start thinking about maybe audiences that might potentially be outside their company mm -hmm. and how that gets handled. It's that ends up being a bit trickier that we'll, we'll, you know, I, we can definitely get into about how those expansions go in a little bit. But I think it's just one of those things. If you kind of want to put things on scale, there are definitely issues that are we can address if we know the access method up front a little bit better um, versus, of course, uh, you know, things that we can plan out a little later. Okay. So we have now successfully installed our Tableau server. Mm -hmm. We just did it just now. Um, we made sure the hardware was adequate for the use cases that we were imagining. Mm -hmm. We set up our security protocols and we uh, gave our people kind of instruction on how they were going to access the content. Mm -hmm. And now we're in kind of the first stage of, sort of a sort of a Tableau server deployment, which we're going to define as the first three months or the first period. Right. Um, during this first period, what should we be doing? Sure. So I think this is where a lot of people do actually get stuck, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think a lot of people want it to be something where you just set it up and then you go away. Yep. Right. And then there's other people that want to really heavily micromanage it. Yeah. And I think there's some general rules we can uh, use to instruct people on what, sh what they should be looking to control, what they should be looking to monitor, and what they should be looking to observe yeah. Um, during this first period of, of yeah. growth. We spent a lot of time, I think, talking about some of the initial pieces that we talk about for a lot of the pre-sale stuff. But when it comes down to actually the, the management of server um, or the rollout of that, I think this is where we have to kind of focus on this period a little bit better in understanding specifically what things, what activities might take place um, from the community itself. And, uh, and of course, likewise, what information is ends up being useful. So the way that I kind of define this period is that this is really when we start to roll content into a production environment here. So the platform's set up, it's ready for production. Um, and again, re ready is a relative term, right? It's not uh, 100%. Things are set in stone and will never change. It is running and of course uh, has the general rules that we know how to offer up for people to put content into this environment. Now given that, we are starting to actually think about production reports that might actually hit the server. So at this point you get a much better idea of specifically who needs access to the server as well as of course uh, dealing with things like for example how they're accessing the information to begin with, right? So we know for, with Tableau Server, there's a few ways that they can interact. They can actually be viewing the content and interacting with the interactive dashboard. Uh, in other cases, they might be looking at this information for just subscriptions or from the mobile devices that's there. We might start to see much more mix in terms of how people are interacting with these reports. Mm -hmm. And part of it is that you won't generally, and I, I'll again say generally, mainly because each deployment is free to do what they want in terms of how things will work. But generally speaking, you want to, as projects become ready to be productionalized, you want to roll them out as soon as possible uh, on their own timeline that's there. And then with that, you can actually start to phase out how individual groups are now going to be accessing the server and building 
up that overall community size uh, for our server base there. Okay, so uh, I heard a couple things there. So defining processes for just how content is is produced and promoted and, and right. put into the environment. Um, so uh, I think at, when you install the server, you're going to have some idea of people are going to create some content mm -hmm. and they're going to publish it to the Tableau server. And once the server is installed and in place, you can start to define some processes around that and say, here's the thing, here are the steps you have to follow to bring an analysis into a production environment and put it somewhere where we can kind of endorse it and, and say this is this is a company analysis that we all trust mm -hmm. right um, any analysis I think should be welcome right so mm -hmm. um, we have you know we've talked about this before but I think you know there's there's going to be flaws in, in, in kind of the acceptance of failure in a successful Tableau deployment. But um, the analysis that we're going to put in production are going to be the things that we're saying as a company, we agree that these are kind of important mm -hmm. things, pieces of information for people to understand. And we've sort of endorsed these methods for analyzing the information. So right. uh, things like uh, whether a calculation is an appropriate representation of the data right. or um, whether uh, the normalization applied to a certain data set makes sense or whether a certain visualization is the right fit for a certain uh, data analysis or things that we're going to be looking at to define standards for how we put things into this production world where people are going to be looking at it um, from sort of a company communication perspective. Right. Uh, but there's going to be other analysis that we allow people to use and publish and share that doesn't maybe fit that uh, stamp of approval, right? right? And that's another important point, which is that we want to give as many people access as possible. Mm -hmm. I think the best way for people to implement Tableau Server in a way that they actually have a good measure of how it's being used and and, um, and how it's going to grow is to give as many people as they can find access and then see who actually uses it, right? right? As opposed to being a gatekeeper and only giving kind of access piecemeal because they want to control it. Right. Uh, the, uh, the former will allow them to uh, see which people actually do have need mm -hmm. um, and whether that presumption of, of need that they might have internally fits what is actually happening in the organization. Right. Um, whereas the latter will um, probably, um, if not stifle any like natural growth that would happen it will uh, maybe create some sort of self-fulfilling kind of uh situation where they think that it's growing really successfully because people are using it when they give them access to it right mm. uh so i think just having the philosophy of giving everyone access to this server in some capacity doesn't have to be everyone gets to publish things to production right away but it has to be give everyone access to analytics because it's going to help them do their jobs better. Right. And again, company fridge concept, right? You, you definitely don't want to be a gatekeeper telling who can put what where, right? Mm -hmm. and, and part of this logic is it's simply going to save a little bit of headache with kind of uh, expecting that people are going to talk about um, and use basically the shared resource um, effectively, right? And then, yeah, like you said, uh, open it up. Um, so the last piece will be that you should just be thinking about is how can we experiment with our 
provision of this service, mm-hmm. right? Um, what uh, what are ways we can give people access? What are ways we can uh, edit some of these processes? What are things we should monitor? Mm-hmm. What are metrics we should be looking at um, to make it so that um, we understand how the server is going to be used mm-hmm. both now and in an ideal state? Um, so uh, I think maybe a good thing for us to talk about would be what are things that you should monitor? You know, like right. you're, you're providing the service to people um, and you're also getting to a place where you can be prepared to understand how it's going to affect the business at a larger scale. So what are things that you should monitor to make sure you have a good understanding of that? Right. So I think for the most part, again, we're thinking about the early stages of getting server up and running. People are starting to get familiarized with basically a server product and what they can do with this new sharing platform. What you want to make sure is that it's running effectively, right? Um, so one of the big things that I really kind of monitor at this early stage, as opposed to worrying too much about planning and, and estimating and doing too much mm-hmm. too early on, is really just focusing on whether or not a server is being used effectively, right? So we can get some idea in terms of how our rollout is actually doing just by looking at, for example, the traffic to views um, uh, viz, which is uh, in your Tableau server maintenance view that's there. Yep. So this gives you a pretty good idea in terms of just usage overall, whether it's going um, effectively week to week. Uh, but also the idea of, of course, looking at your background tasks, right? Um, are the things that people are expecting to automate on your Tableau server, is that being completed effectively? and successfully over time. Does something need to really change at this point? Okay, so how many people are accessing it? Mm-hmm. What content is there? Mm-hmm. And what, um, how people are interacting with the content? Are they right. interacting it by logging onto the server and looking at something? Are they interacting it with it through a subscription? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think just getting an idea of how the server is being used is kind of the right. general theme to these things. The other thing that I would say is... Um, is there anything uh, that's failing? Right. Um, it, again, we're, I think we're endorsing this opening kind of period as an, as, as an experimental phase, whereas, um, not whereas, where, um, you can really get a good understanding of what what you have, right? What you're doing and, and how to best make it successful. So uh, if a process fails, mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that the Tableau server is set up to alert you when processes fail, and then see if you can look at usage during those periods. Um, see if there are certain background tasks that are running at those times. See if, if you can identify uh, things that people are doing kind of logistically within the server that might uh, align to right. failures so that when you do put it in a more formal setting, uh, you can avoid those. Right. And the one thing I'll also kind of highlight here too is that, you know, with the things that we sh- uh, kind of talked about, those were more the statistics on the server itself. But mm-hmm. it's also worth at this point, since it's fresh to everybody, uh, just to really kind of pull um, the success behind the projects themselves and really kind of get a full grasp in terms of as things are moving on to server, what is the opinion about the general experience overall, right? Are there consistent mm-hmm. patterns that people are struggling with? Uh, and something as simple as, for example, single sign-on. 
Um, you know, people might not know how to ask for it, but they might actually be consistently struggling with the issues that are found there. Mm -hmm. And we might want to think about basically what to do. Yeah. One of the things that I think I've noticed that customers wait too long to do is to survey their, um, their customers, mm -hmm. right? They're uh, the, the customers of them as IT people, uh, about, how they're using and how they're liking the services that they provide. Mm -hmm. um, usually that's something that happens like annually or yeah. even less than that. And a company might do an audit at the end of a year and see that, well, only only 60% of our people are using this software, 40% of it's going unused. So what does that mean, right? When really, if when it starts getting rolled out, if you have that interaction with the people that are using it, you can catch potential pitfalls and actually mm. um, make sure that people are educated on it, which which I think yeah. is, is a better way to make sure that um, it's being implemented correctly. And that has to do with both the technology and also the kind of surrounding pieces like SSO yeah. and things you mentioned. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that I find a little too common is that people kind of really see the server piece as being sort of something that technology management will actually handle. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, you know, that desktop is typically done by analytics. And there is actually sort of this weird middle ground, I think, that you have to kind of approach. You're not just managing the technology. You're not just managing servers for the most part. You are managing basically just your initiative, your BI initiative. Mm -hmm. And that means basically consulting both the understanding of value, both in this, uh, the actual statistics, the numbers of, of users logging in, as well as the sentiment uh, yeah. that comes through. Yeah, again, Tableau is infrastructure, and what infrastructure does is it provides a common ground, right? right. So it provides um, the means through which uh, an analytics project can be a partnership between business people and IT people mm -hmm. rather than being two separate groups. Um, yep. So I, the only other thing I thought about uh, in terms of like what we should recommend people monitor is load times. Yep. So looking at um, a view and um, maybe all the different content that's published to the server, seeing if there's outliers that take a long time to load. Um, what that allows you to do is kind of in line with what I was saying in terms of educating is catch bad habits or practices that might be bad design or mm -hmm. things that just don't really fit Tableau's way of doing things from a performance perspective. If there are views that don't, perform well, what you can do is you can actually catch types of analysis that might lead to bad performance right. rather than trying to throw hardware at a performance problem, which typically doesn't usually work. So this is probably worth a little bit of discussion because I think people do struggle with this concept a lot, right? Performance is something that I think is the measure for how happy our customers are. Mm -hmm. Faster is always better. Um, and I think there's a lot of misconception, I think, with it, right? People are saying, well, if it's slow, can I just throw more hardware on top of the mix? More hardware means it's just got a, a more horsepower, right? right? And so it can do more. Um, there are also, of course, the, the question of, well, what, what ends up really being realistic at this point? Well, how should we approach this problem of performance overall? Yeah, and I guess I guess that's sort of what you, what you're describing of oh, can't I just throw more hardware at uh, a performance issue? Is sort of a misconception uh, of how kind of performance, what what right. what performance is, right? Mm -hmm. Performance, yeah, it's it's partly dictated by hardware and how fast your CPU is and how, how much 
memory you have in, in your computer, but it's also dictated by the code and the software that's running and how efficient that is at performing different types of processes. And it doesn't matter how fast your machine is, if the software doesn't run efficiently, it's not going to be faster. Right. Um, so a, a poorly designed Tableau dashboard, uh, if you put it on a really fast CPU, mm-hmm. um, it probably will still be poorly designed and it'll probably still be slow. It might not be quite as slow as if you put it on an old archaic machine that, that doesn't run very fast, but it's still going to be not uh, effective and not what you want. Right. Um, adding hardware can help uh, scale more more reliably. So it right. can allow um, a machine to do more things, mm-hmm. but it can't make something that's slow and poorly designed better design. It right. just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So um, those are the types of things that you can catch early on. If you can catch it during this experimental phase, mm-hmm. what it allows you to do is look at um, the type of work that's being done by a business group, the type of analysis that's being done and so, ask whether, um, whether the types of analytics they're doing is in line with our expectations for performance and things right. like that. Yeah, and I, I always do believe that, you know, faster is better, right? That's generally, you know, if, if we can load this in one second, it's always, of course, better than loading it in 10 seconds. But you have to be realistic about what the the workbook actually is, right? You can't guarantee everything will load super fast across the board because we simply haven't built out what those things are that we're trying to load. Um, the other side of it, too, is then thinking about how do we actually – well, how, how would somebody monitor it? So any ideas there? Yeah, so as a general rule of thumb, I think what you can do is you can look at, um, first of all, look at specific content mm-hmm. and see if there are certain analyses that are taking longer to load than others. Mm-hmm. What that does is isolate uh, performance to certain analysis rather than server-wide, right? Mm-hmm. If everything is really slow, then it's possible the server just isn't right sized for what you're trying to do because right. uh, it's not scaling well. But if there's one thing that's slow and everything else is fast, or there's a couple things that's slow and everything else is fast, and it's probably those things that are slow, right? right? Um, so the other thing that you need to look at is how well those things are scaling. So does it perform the same when one person accesses it versus when 100 people access it? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can look at that by looking at perhaps when it is loading more slowly. If, it, if Tableau server allows you to look at load times and for, for views and different types of content, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you how long a view took to load in different, different points of time or what the average amount is and, and things like that. So um, that will allow you to see, well, if it's only loading slowly during peak times when a bunch of people are using the server, that probably means we do need more hardware because the more hardware will allow more users to all access this content at the same time. But if it's always loading slowly, then again, it comes back to a design thing. So those are the types of things that you should be looking to monitor. Is there anything else that I'm missing there? Um, So a little bit into specifics here. One of the things that I'll highlight is uh, there is a stats for load time uh, that's built into our maintenance views. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so we should probably talk about that just real quick. Is there's uh, there's a set of views that come with Tableau Server that Mm -hmm. monitor how it's being used, who's using it, when are they using it, what content's being used, what processes are being run, Mm -hmm. and it allows you to check on things like performance and 
load times and usage without having to do any special analysis yourself. So it's right. very handy. And one of them, like you said, is about load times. Yeah. So stats for load times, great view to actually take a look at, especially once, uh, you know, we have a full loadout, uh, a rollout of basically the, the reports themselves. And we get a good idea of the distributions that can occur with load time just from the distribution of different activities that can occur there. And to kind of highlight at least sort of the point that you had earlier, one of the things to really kind of understand is that one thing can cause performance degradation, but it's not always vice versa. So, for example, one of the big things that we, we tend to see is that people do uh, think that there is a, a correlation um, or a direct correlation even uh, between hardware and, and really the, the performance of the dashboard. If it takes 10 seconds to load with eight cores, then in 16 cores, it must take only five seconds to load, right? Hmm. And the reality, of course, is that when we're thinking about hardware, you're thinking about it much like uh, the number of lanes on your highway, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if there's not enough lanes, yeah, it's gonna cause everything else to slow down. But if you have more lanes than people are using, then things aren't gonna really speed it's up It's not gonna either, make people right? drive faster. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I think that was a better analogy than the fridge analogy. I like the fridge. Anyways. I think the highway is better. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, uh, analogy ranking. One highway, two fridge. All right, well, um, if there's any more analogies, we can include them later. We'll pepper in okay. more. All right. So potential pitfalls. Mm -hmm. um, so th just things to watch out for during right. this initial stage. Um, one thing that I wrote down is be careful about scheduling. Mm -hmm. So both su subscriptions and also data refreshes right. when you're refreshing Tableau extracts use a process in Tableau server that's called the backgrounder. Uh, the backgrounder is built to uh, be used when a schedule kicks off. So right. when a schedule tells it to do something and then it uses as many resources as it can to do that as fast as possible. Right. Um, and that's really good because it means you're not waiting for a, your data extract to refresh forever, but it also means if there's other stuff that the server needs to do at the same time, like a person logging in and looking at a view, mm -hmm. they'll probably have worse performance when that background refresh is going on. Right. I mean, just to kind of really be specific, the, the backgrounder, one backgrounder process, and by default, I think it comes with two now, mm -hmm. um, but one backgrounder process uh, by itself can consume an entire core on the server. And of course, as much RAM as it's needed, though generally it's much more processing power there than not. Um, and the one thing I think that, that becomes an issue there is, uh, you know, if it coincides with when users are using some of the other processes, which are much more oriented to user interaction, uh, and you start really getting a conflict with what hardware is actually made available, right? If you think about your standard eight core um, sort of initial rollout that's there, you consume an entire one-eighth of that because of the, a heavy heavy backgrounder that's there. Yep. Um, all of a sudden, everything slows down, right? Because you are eating up a, a significant chunk of your server. So what are, some, uh, what are some things that people can do to make sure they're monitoring that effectively? So part of that, I think, is really just making sure you have a pretty good understanding of the background tasks. Again, looking back at sort of the views you should be looking at, the traffic overall, um, traffic to views, great idea for just understanding um, the user interaction side of the house. But when you, uh, what you want to also look at is specifically your background tasks for extracts and for background tasks for non-extracts. These are two separate views. 
Okay, so these are a couple more of the maintenance views we talked about that track how these background tasks are being used. And what you should be looking out for is, are there a bunch of them, right? Um, If there's a lot of them, um, there's some things you can do with Tableau or with Tableau Data Server or with consolidating things to, to kind of match the same schedule or maybe by having them run in off hours to make sure that it decreases the conflict that that's going to have with other stuff. Right. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about planning for that kind of when we get to the next section. But that's just a common thing that people struggle with uh, because scheduling is such an important and, and valuable thing. You just have to be careful and, and make sure you know what you're actually scheduling. Yeah, be flexible here because projects will come up where they do need to have a very specific, you know, interaction, maybe a scheduled interaction that's there. Um, but you can start to evolve that strategy as these things roll out, as we think about what's critical and not critical, and we can think about priorities. Also, Tableau has that. some default schedules that are things like it runs every morning at 10 a.m. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's that's good that it has the defaults in there, but I think a lot of people don't realize they can create their own. So yeah. they just assign things to those schedules. And do people really need to get their report at 10 a.m. every day or can they get it at 5 a.m. and have it be there when they get in, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the difference between having the background task kick off when other people are using the server and not, right? right. And that's a big performance hit, you get potentially. At 10? Um, no, I'm just saying when I get into work, it <laughs> has already, I don't get into work before <laughs> five is what I'm saying. Um, Okay, so what are some other pitfalls that, that people should watch out for? I think typically at this point, it's really about not overly focusing specifically on one project and having it um, dictate the entire value of, of course, the server itself. And also, of course, not being too rigid up front, right? We spent a bit of time probably in the installation phase, but um, for it to be a, a used platform, um, you know, it's got to be able to accept feedback that's there, right? And, and part of this phase, I think, is that we are actively thinking and seeking feedback about how things are going, mm-hmm. whether things can be a little bit better, um, and to, to start altering basically our process involved with this. One of the things I typically see people running into at this point is also now dealing with uh, change requests that come through. Okay. So ultimately, you'll have uh, you know some users interacting with it and they might not exactly like what they they're working with or there might be a better way of dealing with it and with tableau there is actually a number of ways for us to actually approach that problem uh head on right uh in the more traditional bi sense it might go back to the same author go through a same qa process before making it all the way through but we know this tends to be slow and not actually effective, right? Maybe so what's course. our recommendation for that? If there are a lot of change requests coming in, then what what would we in the ideal state suggest? So there's a few ways I think that we see folks handling this. Uh, the, the this more, is a quick sidebar, I think, yeah. but I think it's important to talk yeah, about. Yeah, the, the, the direct no I think that we tend to see is for us to say, okay, let's streamline the promotion process, right? Some changes, like for example, typos or things like that, really doesn't need to go through through a another entire QA process that's there. We do not need to sift, uh, sift it through the entire waterfall in order to uh, just make a quick change that's there. And really giving some of the power back to, I think, the author who's involved or even, of course, the person who's promoting to make those changes are important. On a grander scale, though, I think it's really thinking about rethinking through sort of the strategy of um, maybe the Tableau desktop or even the uh, web editing uh, components. Yeah, I think the strategy should revolve around um, looking for opportunities to empower 
the people that are making the change requests, if they're if they're small edits or things that um, are analytical questions, to, to empower them to ask those questions themselves. Right. And that's where the web edit capability comes in or distributing copies of Tableau Desktop to some of those people or, um, or just up giving more interactivity on the dashboards that are being distributed themselves, right. just giving more power to the people that are actually asking the question because those are the people that are making decisions based on the questions, right? So those are the people that should be able to answer their own questions. Right. Um, okay. So that's good. Um, we've talked about what we did before we installed the server and we've yeah. talked about what we did for the first few months of having the server and kind of just feeling out and getting, uh, getting our sea legs in terms of just making sure we understood kind of what was going on. Right. Um, and we've also kind of alluded to this concept of we're going to start looking for places where there are problems or things we need, maybe not even problems, just things we need to adjust for or account for. So we're ready to change or augment the server. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do we know we're ready to do that? And, and what do we do when, when, we, when we are? Sure. So one thing that I really encourage is just experimenting with the server itself, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is that you have your server in production, certainly shouldn't start just making changes and taking things offline uh, for the pure sake of experimenting with new changes that's there. But uh, one of the things you can do is to use one of the non-production licenses that come with the, well, production license uh, in order to set up a test environment overall. Okay, um, so what are some things that you would be testing in there? Sure. So one of the things I would kind of highlight here is some of the functionality that we can start to kind of add into the mix and, and what that would do, um, as well as, of course, how do we actually roll that out effectively. Uh, a good example for this might be, of course, just thinking about your single sign-on strategy with it, right? We may, for example, evolve how we are accessing our views, whether it's just through the Tableau portal uh, versus, of course, now we want some things to be embedded into other applications there, maybe Salesforce. And part of, of course, in order to make that transition as quickly as possible is that you do want to set up a test environment, see what changes need to occur there, and then, of course, replicate those changes on the production environment or at a later point, even just swap reference uh, from your production to your test. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're going to have a test environment that we are kind of playing with as we go, which allows us to try out different strategies for how we kind of implement certain right. things on the server. And that's something that I think you should probably set up as soon as possible as you're implementing the server. So you have this kind of replicated environment to do things like uh, testing. If you, if you need to test new versions when they come out, or if you need to test new capabilities, or if you need to, um, if you have custom code that you're running that integrates with Tableau to test it there, as opposed to in, um, in the production environment. So this is a good question because I think we just see it quickly enough. Um, mm -hmm. When should customers think about upgrading? Upgrading to new versions? Yeah. Um, so a, that's a good what, question. What, what is our right. upgrade schedule? So like? yeah, so we get this question a lot. Um, Tableau has a pretty frequent upgrade schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, we release new versions pretty pretty often. We release new major releases like an 8.0, 9.0 type release about once a year, a little less than once a year, but usually every year there's usually a new release. Right. 
Um, and then we also release kind of semi-major releases that are like 8.1, 8.2 that actually have quite a bit of new functionality in them uh, every few months, like every three to six months. Yep. So um, there's a pretty aggressive release schedule and customers often ask us like how closely they should stick to that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we have a history of is releasing software that's pretty bug free, right? Mm-hmm. So that you can, you can, if you want to install 9.0 the day it comes out. Right. Um, the, uh, the challenge that a lot of customers have is that they have internal policies that they have to follow around testing and vetting things that just come out with internal kind of mm-hmm. tests that, that, um, that need to be done before they actually install. Um, the recommendation I usually give people is try to stay current because the answers to a lot of like questions that you're going to have with tech support and things like that are, are going to change from version to version. So when you want the best possible support from us, be, staying current is going to be a really valuable thing for you. You're just going to find that your support is better and that you have an easier time answering questions. And if there is a problem, um, you'll have the latest and greatest version that might fix it, right? Um, the other thing that I recommend is, uh, try to upgrade your servers and your desktops together. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, uh, the, the, everything's backward compatible, but it's not forward compatible. So if you, if you, if you publish from a newer version of desktop to an older version of server, it won't work. And it allows you to just logistically avoid some of those challenges. Yeah. I think that this also kind of highlights one of the challenges of having sort of a really old version of server running is if somebody... Uh, is interested in Tableau, happens to download the, the free trial on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the next thing they, they, they do is they work on content that's worth really sharing. Um, now, of course, they're working with the newer version that can't actually be shared on the server platform. So it's, it's important to ke- keep updated. Uh, and one of the big use cases around sort of that test environment is just to kind of vet out whether it works with all your content, whether when we go through an upgrade process, uh, whether that works through um, uh, without any hiccups that's there. Uh, in general, I, I typically find that it's okay to definitely skip through sort of the maintenance uh, releases. If there's a bug that you've logged and people have actually told you that it's fixed in this release, definitely go fix it. But um, you know, the monthly releases, I would say, you know, it's one of those things where it's definitely optional. Uh, minor releases, I would, minor releases and major releases, I would be much more uh, looking towards whether um, we can make that upgrade because the new functionality t- tends to be helpful. Okay. Hmm? It's time. It's tub time. Tub time? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pause and get a new drink. And then we're going to talk about something pretty similar from what we were talking about. I was going to say something completely different, but actually it's not that different. All right, be right back. Okay, so just to clarify, when I said tub time, I meant tub is the type of gin. It's called tub gin that mm-hmm. I'm I'm drinking, and so that's why I said tub time. I wasn't I wasn't suggesting that Wilson and I get in the bathtub together to record the rest of the podcast. Although if you brought your flippers and your snorkel, I think it would be a good time. Who snorkels in a hot tub or bathtub? What do you mean? Do you? It, it helps you breathe underwater. Why wouldn't you do that? Uh, is, is your tub that deep? 
It's pretty deep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the end of the co that conversation. Um, so I have this drink. It's a Tom Collins. It's a pretty common drink. Uh, a Collins is a drink with lemon, soda, sugar, and then some sort of liquor. And mm -hmm. I'm having a... The Tom Collins is just a shorthand for a gin Collins. Uh, and I added some ginger bitters. Mm. I don't know if that's going to... That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I kind of like it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it kind of tastes... I get a little ginger in there. Um, anyway, that's that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing over here, Wilson. I'm having my Tom Collins. I'm talking about tub. And uh, and I, I use a snorkel a lot. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm just I'm surprised. I, I've never used a snorkel in the tub. Have you ever used a snorkel at all? No, actually Maybe you not. should start. Oh. I mean, it's a good place to practice if you're going to snorkel, like, in the wild. Right. You could practice with the snorkel in the tub. I'll try sometime during this week. I'll come back and let everybody know what my Like, it's good are. to take baby steps. Like, you start in the tub, you go to a public pool, mm. you use your snorkel, you get arrested. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of that is going to make the final cut, but we'll see. Right. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, Wilson, you know what? Mm -hmm. uh, we've had our server for a while, mm. and we, we're wondering if we need to expand the server, right? We've got some hardware, we've got some technology, it's going pretty well. We're not sure if it might be time to expand it and have it go to more people and, and add some more hardware so that it can be used in more ways. How do we know? How do we know when we need to expand, when we're ready and when we need to? So let's kind of talk about what expansion is really designed to, to solve. I, I really see sort of three major use cases uh, come up uh, that should be kind of People should see these as options when they're starting to roll it out to their general audience as they're playing their new initiative. Uh, the, the infrastructure itself is a limiting factor, right? And so these options of ex okay. um, these so three things is, around sort of expansion, I think, are going to be important options to, to so have. So this is what is expansion for? Right. Okay. Um, so the the more direct one. Um, a more obvious one, I think, is, is typically for uh, a larger audience base, right? We're scaling our server out okay. so that we can handle more users on our system at any given time. So we're going to say, we're going to call that scalability. Mm -hmm. Scalability is the concept of making uh, the server able to do more things. Right. Um, in this case, we're talking about service more people. Yep. Um, but essentially, scaling a server is giving it the capacity to do more stuff. So that's giving it more CPUs and yep. more memory. Um, we can do that by scaling up or scaling out. If right. you know what those terms mean, it's just the, the, the concept of either adding hardware to one machine to have one really powerful machine that handles everything versus right. having multiple machines that all do things in tandem and work together. Right. Um, both of those concepts apply and work with mm -hmm. Tableau. Um, Scalability, the, the concept is usually brought up when people are adding users to the server. Um, one thing that I want to mention here that we mentioned before, but just in more detail right now, is scalability does not equal performance. Uh, scalability, again, is the idea of giving the server the ability to do more different things, so distribute more processes. Uh, what that allows you to do is if you have one dashboard that everyone in your organization that need, needs to look at, and your current server allows 10 people to look at it at a time, 
uh, if you have 10 of those servers, then maybe 100 people can look at it at a time. Right. Uh, it's not necessarily one-to-one -one like that, but that's the concept. Um, it doesn't mean that those 10 people will all have a faster experience right. um, because that's not exactly how scaling works. Right. Just a, a clarification, something I want to mention. Mm -hmm. uh, second point. Yeah, so the second point is I think much more thinking towards the, the clustered approach of Tableau. And so mm -hmm. this is a little bit of kind of re-architecting Tableau, but it makes sense to also sort of the, the concepts that drive at sort of these... Uh, so the clustered approach, meaning you're going to have the different things a server does broken up into different clusters, different machines are going to do different things. More than one machine. Uh, More than one machine is going to do the same thing. To be serving your Tableau server okay. deployment, right? Um, so this can actually be folded out into a couple of different use cases, right? Like you said, uh, in some use cases, it's about segmentation of the processes themselves. Okay, so the segmentation is when you isolate certain tasks to certain machines. Right. And why would you want to do that? So uh, the, the classic example that we really oftentimes highlight is the difference between the server interaction versus some of the automated tasks of Tableau, right? So schedule being sent out um, or extracts being refreshed, you do not want those two things to affect one another. Okay. A, from the user uh, experience standpoint, right? You don't want slower performance for those users who are actually leveraging the platform. But also, of course, with the automated tasks, they tend to also be very sensitive as well, right? Think about a report that you typically get at 10 a.m. Even if it comes a little later at 10.24, all of a sudden people have a really bad perception about the reliability of your server. And so some of those things we really want to separate out so that they simply don't affect each other uh, from a hardware perspective because it's being shared in some way. Okay, so we brought up the idea earlier of the background tasks that Tableau Server runs automatically mm -hmm. conflicting with uh, perhaps a user just logging in and looking at a view. Right. Um, sometimes it makes sense to segment the backgrounder onto its own hardware mm -hmm. so that it can run and do all the backgrounder processes. So if you have uh, schedules that need to run really frequently, it might make sense to do this. Or if you have a lot of schedules. Right. Um, then they're not fighting. They're not fighting with a user just coming in and, and doing stuff. Right. Um, there's other solutions that we mentioned, like having those tasks run in off hours. So you don't have to do this, but essentially it's for the purpose of increasing performance by reducing uh, fighting resources. Confli yeah. Conflicts is the better word. Um, there are some things that make sense to schedule, uh, to segment, excuse me, uh, like the scheduling process, the backgrounder. Mm -hmm. There's some things that you shouldn't segment, right? right? Uh, like you shouldn't segment the VizQL from the cache server because mm -hmm. those are things that work very closely in tandem. Right. Um, they need to work together a lot. Mm -hmm. And if you segmented them, then the user would have to experience load times when you were going from one server to another and jumping back and forth right. and having these two different machines talk to each other a lot. Right. Um, so it's kind of important to think strategically about what those processes are doing that you are segmenting. The one that we most often encounter is that backgrounder one. And, and generally speaking, that's really going to be the main one mm -hmm. that you would consider offloading. I know we've people... also heard people do it with the data engine. Yeah, um, I don't know if that always makes sense, but like, I guess if you want, if you wanted to have 
a bunch of hardware that you pushed to the data engine so that you mm-hmm. could load a bunch of stuff in memory at a time. Right. That might make sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's that's another one. I, I, I think with the data engine, it might be it might be future looking, right? We mm-hmm. may see a day where we can start to scale that more and more. And at a certain point, of course, with Tableau Server, right? Um, if you are using extracts heavily and you're using querying processes, you may want to have that instance be replicated across and, and that becomes your growth plan that's there. But certainly for now, with the, the limit for data engine being two, I would not start down that route. Uh, and your general idea is really making sure that user interaction, the things that dictate it, which typically are gonna be most of the processes on Tableau mm-hmm. server, right? Your BizQL, your data server, your data engine, your repository, a lot of those should live together. And then the backgrounder, being sort of a separate thing altogether, that will actually be the one thing that'll be um, set apart. The, the other thing we don't mean by segmenting is um, separating groups or content onto its own hardware, right? right? Like sometimes people ask us for that because they have, well, for a couple of reasons. Yeah. One, they have a mission critical process that they always want, project that they want to make sure always has a certain amount of hardware available. Tableau doesn't do that. Um, the I think philosophy behind it is that um, it, it actually hurts more than it helps. Right. It, it creates situations where maybe other groups need to do something and they don't have enough hardware for it because it's allocated for something else. Right. Um, anyway, it doesn't really matter why we do it. We don't do it. Um, yeah. The other reason sometimes people want to do that is for like IT chargeback scenarios. They want to uh, set aside certain hardware so they can say, well, this group has to pay the IT group a certain amount because they've allocated a certain amount of hardware. Right. And that kind of makes sense logistically, but Tableau doesn't really work that way because resources are shared a lot to make sure things are done efficiently. Right. So um, I just want to clarify that's not what we're talking about when we talk about segmenting. We're talking about specifically the processes. Yeah. Doing things that way, I think there's a lot of idle time. The machine efficiency isn't as high. There's all sorts of reasons for it. But yeah, segmentation, really, I want. I think the one point to drive is those the, the breakdown between those two things, user interaction, automated tasks. Okay. If you have that idea um, and nothing else, um, that might be a good strategy to go. Okay, so to continue um, on this and continue your... Mm-hmm. classification of distribution to these two different categories. Segmenting is the situation where you have different machines that are all make up one Tableau server right. and the different machines do different things. Mm-hmm. Is there any situation where you have different machines that all do the same thing? Mm-hmm. So in a clustering or even scaling out scenario, you could definitely do that, right? So you can have multiple machines run backgrounders and that might be a scale out strategy for some folks that's there but much more common i think when we start to see maybe the growth from one server to two servers where both servers are doing exactly the same thing it's to really serve as machine redundancy this is our failover scenario where we are starting to build out basically uh uh, extra redundancy into the system Mm -hmm. so that in this case if the hardware itself fails Right. So redundancy goes by a lot of names and a lot of topics, mm-hmm. um, terms that we hear when we think about redundancy are things like high availability or mm-hmm. disaster recovery or um, uptime or um, any, uh, there's probably more, but those are the ones that are coming to mind. Um, what we mean when we talk about this redundancy in this scenario 
is we're talking about situations where uh, it makes sense for there to be more hardware than befits a use case. Mm -hmm. When you could serve your uh, user uh, group with eight cores of processing power, but it makes sense to have 16 just in case eight of them fail. Right. 16 broken up into two different eight core right. groups. We, we are planning what will happen if mm -hmm. one of the pieces of hardware might degrade mm -hmm. in this instance, right? And so you're basically building an, an extra buffer room. And a good part here is a lot of this does end up getting automated by Tableau. Um, so you don't have to actually worry too much about flipping things over and, and worrying about things too much um, from a management standpoint. But it does mean that we have to kind of build in a buffer zone that's there. And, and there are definite use cases for when this is critical. So, I mean, can, can you name a few? Um, so the one that I think I deal with most frequently is customer-facing applications that mm -hmm. maybe a company charges a customer right. for, right? They... Uh, they provide a service to their customers, and their service includes Tableau content. Um, if they don't provide that service, then they're failing their contract with the customer, right? They have to refund them, or they have to provide them something else, or they, they lose customers or something like right. that. Um, that's obviously like a mission-critical scenario where they can't afford for it ever to go down. Right. Or maybe they have an SLA that they've actually drawn up with the customer saying, we commit to this being down no more than an hour a year mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, that gives them some safeguards against those those possible right. failures. Um, I think one thing that I don't think we do a great job at, uh, at Tableau mm -hmm. is applying that concept to the correct scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. Like... Um, I, I do think that this should be used almost solely for mission critical scenarios. Mm -hmm. Whereas sometimes a customer will come to us and say, yeah, we have a requirement for HA. And we'll say, oh, great. We have all this redundancy stuff you can do and you need to buy extra hardware for it. Right. Um, when we often should first clarify that mm -hmm. um, the software is very easy to start up and spin up and fix. And if something fails, it's, it will alert you, and if you need to restart it, it doesn't take very long, right? right. So um, you can either have someone be responsive to that, or you can even write your own processes to restart things when something happens. Like, it doesn't require you to set up this complex HA scenario and spend more money on licensing um, if you can handle that uh, project on your own. Um, so I just think that's... Uh, and I think it's a, a little bit of a sensitive subject to me because it actually does require them to buy more licenses and I don't want them to have to buy more software than they need. I think mm -hmm. that creates a bad relationship with us and the customer if they right. ever think about it and realize they bought more than they need or something like that. Um, so I I would prefer to um, say that these scenarios are really for mission critical right. environments. And and they can come in different forms too, right? Like you said, it's... Uh, so yeah, the customer it, facing one customer is one I thought of. One what, is a what big else one. is um, uh, You know, even some of the larger deployments, like if you're rolling this, your, your product out, it's uh, for sales analytics and it's going out to this entire sales team. You want a little bit of extra redundancy and uptime security, yep. um, especially if, for example, you really can't have it go out at the end of the quarter, right? Um, when people are checking their metrics or, of course, reviewing their numbers that's there. Yeah, um, I guess it's situations where it's going to cost you money if it fails. It's probably yeah. a good kind of rule of thumb. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, in, in general, one of the big things I do find is that it is a conversation that requires more, right? You are managing basically degraded states of server. Mm -hmm. And so with that, you aren't just basically building in just machine redundancy. A lot of times you are thinking about capacity redundancy there as well. And so really making sure that if something does go down, if that thing that goes down, uh, what remains within our cluster? And of course, does the remaining support our average user population or user uh, average traffic load that we okay. expect on our server? All right. So we have... Hmm? are three different kind of examples of what expansion does and what it's for. Right. Um, as administrators of a Tableau server, mm -hmm. what are the things we should be looking out for to know when expansion is necessary? Sure. So I think, you know, the, the general upkeep, as we kind of mentioned earlier, about doing sort of a regular check of background tasks and regular check of traffic, those end up being useful, but a periodic review, I think of what really is going on on our server, the growth pace that we see on our server, both from a user standpoint, a traffic standpoint, um, as well as, of course, just the, the content standpoint. That ends up being kind of handy for us to kind of reevaluate, especially when it comes down to even some of the things like the uptime discussion that's there. Uh, I've definitely kind of, even in the last couple of quarters, you know, a couple of customers have said, we didn't start off thinking about that some things are going to be more mission critical, but as we started to really kind of monitor sort of the growth that's there, uh, some things naturally became mission critical for us, right? Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, I would really say it's really about kind of tracking uh, the traffic patterns a little bit more closely. At this point, you probably have a decent amount of content, uh, a decent uh, user base on the system, uh, and it's not going to be affected as heavily as in the initial periods when you were still just rolling out new content and bringing in new groups. Okay, so what should, I mean, what should we be looking at in right. terms of managing or monitoring that activity? Sure. So there's a few things to, to look at there. Again, just reviewing some of the basic numbers on the maintenance views is useful, but this is when I start really suggesting to folks for them to take a closer look into our repository. So, yeah, so the maintenance views query data from this repository that comes as a piece of the Tableau server, it, right. it ships with it and it installs itself and it uh, monitors and tracks information about the server. Right. Um, the maintenance views present that information kind of pre-presented and things that we think might be interesting, mm -hmm. but you can also create your own analysis mm -hmm. of that by querying that database and using creating your own Tableau views right. saying, um, how many people have logged into the server in the last week, or um, how many views did a certain dashboard get, or right. any number of things that might play into activity. Yeah. The, the main things I actually look at there is, so the repository is just a Postgres database for folks who haven't played around too much with it. You'll be able to look up a lot of instructions for it just by I think, Googling, I think, creating custom admin views. Uh, and there's a whole product manual article that kind of walks through the steps for it. But the essential things to kind of look at there are even more specific numbers around sort of maybe the concurrent users that are logged in at the same time. And you'd be able to actually see, of course, uh, you know, 
how many people are actually affected if the server goes down at a given time that's there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, another, of course, uh, great idea for that is also taking a look at not just concurrent users, but also concurrent requests at the same time. So the request volume, maybe per second or even per minute, right? So concurrent users give me how many people are logged in at a certain time. Concurrent right. requests is how many requests or what, what, over a certain period, how many requests come in. Right. Okay. Um, how, how would someone go about tracking that? So the request, actually, there is a request table, HTTP underscore request, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, where it just lists off basically new requests hitting the server, um, uh, whether it be from the Okay, so you device, could, you right. could count individual requests over time periods of your choosing. You could do per yep. minute or per hour yep. or, okay. Um, how, this is something that I think you had some thoughts on before we started yeah. recording. How often should we as server administrators be monitoring this? Should we be looking at it every day? No. Um, Why not? So in the same way of looking, uh, another analogy, it's like checking your weight, um, okay. every single day, uh, you'll have days that are going to, the numbers are going to be higher. And it doesn't mean that we should be making decision uh, based off of one fluke or one outlier. Uh, but on an aggregate, we can actually start to see if patterns or shifts really make sense, right? And we're talking about this, um, I'm realizing my, my analogy is starting to break down a little bit on this sense. But in the, in the same way, I think it's really about not making impulse decisions, especially when it comes down to investment, right? Okay, it's so... It's worth monitoring. It's worth really understanding overall trends. But rarely is one event going to be actually impactful to the point where uh, that you could actually plan or, or um, uh, solve through. Okay. Um, so on the analogy list, I'd say that was still better than the fridge, I like the but fridge. worse than the highway. <laughs> I think it, it's highway scale. Right. I'll call it weight yeah. and then fridge. Yeah. Okay. So um, what I mean by the whole weight thing is just because you happen to be maybe three pounds lighter today does not mean you could eat everything in the fridge. But you could probably learn something from that, right? You could look you could and learn. be like, well, I didn't eat much yesterday and now I weigh a little less. Right. Right? But yeah, you shouldn't yeah, change your entire day-to-day -day for the rest of time. Okay. So how that. often should people be – like what's, what's a good kind of um, – frequency for people to be looking at that information and drawing conclusions from it so so every organization is different i mean some folks will do this on a quarterly basis some folks will do this on a monthly basis um i would say probably monthly is a good increment to kind of go at right okay um, so you're looking at maybe monthly aggregate number of users or average concurring requests right. and you can track that you kind of trend that over time and see if there are things you can learn from kind of the historical right. growth or not um Okay, so activity. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I would probably point out is not just aggregate activity, but behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so is there a time of day when people are usually accessing the server? Mm -hmm. Or is there certain content that people are most frequently accessing? Um, this will give you the ability to account for peak behavior. Um, peak behavior is especially important when tracking things like scalability because you mm -hmm. can track... Um, 
not just what the average concurrency is, but when when the server is under the most load, right. and that'll give you an idea of what the ideal amount of hardware for you to have is. Yeah, this can definitely shift over time based upon the types of project you load on. And one of the questions I think we typically ask, or that we're, we're going to be asking, I think a little bit more heavily now, um, is with the projects that you guys are, uh, that you might be planning, um, the frequency of the data refresh is a big question that's online, right? right? Uh, and, and the big whole idea there is to think about that as a driver for how users might interact with the information. So you might have had a general month end report. And if the data only gets updated uh, at the end of the month, people really will probably check it when the data will get updated, right? Mm -hmm. But when we start to get more content that might be updated daily or even live connections, right? Uh, data like, for example, uh, is my deal actually in the queue to be actually processed through or is, uh, um, is this patient actually being moved to the right place? Right. Uh, that is information and, and those types of dashboarding projects can definitely skew your overall behavior of server that will require you to kind of rethink whether or not you've adequately set things up correctly. Okay. Um, anything else we should be looking at uh, in terms of general server usage? The, the final thing I would say is really thinking about um, Again, just keeping in mind, we think about server a lot from the user interaction standpoint. Also keep in mind specifically the background tasks. Okay. In the same way that there's those two views in the, in the admin views, you can access the background task tables um, in, in the repository and look at them from aggregate just to kind of understand the growth of the number of automated things that need to occur. A lot of times this is where we start getting into that conversation where seg uh, segmentation really ends up being necessary because the pace is pacing very differently than how we might be growing our user base. Yeah, I like the idea that for the first kind of several months of having the server in place, you're kind of seeing how it grows organically. And at this point, you can start to augment how like these tasks are used. So for example, if you find that there are 20 background schedules that refresh a certain data source. It might be time to implement that data source as a data server data source that extracts and, and updates once a day on one schedule. Mm -hmm. um, because having 20 different data sources that are already in different, different schedules don't actually help anything. Right. Um, and it allows you to apply some economies of scale. Um, subscriptions are another thing you can look at there in a similar way. Um, if people are, have all subscribed to things on different schedules, it's going to trigger the background to be used in different ways. Um, so you can start to learn things from how the server has been historically used and augment it in a way that you know will be effective and helpful. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so those are some things that we can look at within the Tableau server. So right. these are analytics of the server itself and how the server software operates. Right. Uh, what about outside the server? So there's, I, I would imagine there are additional things that we can monitor uh, in terms of like how the ho hardware is operating right. that aren't specifically around the Tableau server software components. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, if you have the software today that you typically use to monitor your VMs that you might have deployed on or whether it's to deploy, really understand, of course, the, the monitoring the hardware that you have in your server form. Um, good on you. Just keep monitoring in the same way that, that you're used to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, of course, traditionally in the past where we really encourage people to actually spend some time also looking at uh, performance monitor, uh, the Windows performance monitor, just to understand how the server is being used. Uh, and that ends up being a great way of just tracking what's going on on the hardware itself. Um, so traditionally, this ends up being a pretty good way of just seeing what goes on. But one of the things I do want to highlight in this um, in, in this episode is really just the whole idea of uh, there's a new tool actually out there to, to help solve this problem. Um, so Tabmon. Tabmon. Tabmon um, is... Uh, a tool that one of our product managers actually released, Michael Chen. Uh, it's it's out there. It's really kind of designated as sort of an open source project, um, sort of separate from Tableau offering. You can install it, download it. Uh, and it's actually really easy to install and point it to uh, the machines um, in your Tableau server cluster. What this will do is it will run, I think it's JMeter. I'm not, I have to take a look back, uh, but it'll track basically the same type of information that Perfmon uh, would typically track and record it into a Postgres database that we can then record, analyze, and really understand how things are faring from a hardware perspective over time. Okay, so Tabmon. Tabmon. It is not a new reggae song. It is a new tool for tool. monitoring Tableau. Not a Jamaican version of Tableau. Um, okay. That's funny. Um, so, okay, so we've talked about what you can monitor to figure out when it is necessary to expand. Let's mm-hmm. just kind of summarize that with, okay, so we're looking at all these metrics. What mm-hmm. what triggers us to, to tell us that, okay, it's time to expand. It's time to add more hardware to our Tableau server right. environment. So the obvious piece is Tabmon piece. Hardware utilization is fairly high. It's hitting peak points. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good sign that we're, we're, we're being in use, right? Um, or that the hardware is being taxed to a point where it might be slowing down things that could be happening uh, with the software. Yeah, one thing I would, I would just caveat that with is like Tableau server is designed to use up 100% of hardware. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, sometimes cost companies have like rules that if, it, if it's being used more than 80% or something like that, if a server is being utilized more than 80%, it's, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Tableau is designed to use all the hardware the system provides. So if it's capping out constantly, that is a problem. But if you notice that it spikes to 100 sometimes, that's not necessarily a problem. It's not necessarily, but if, again, patterns, right? If, mm-hmm. if it happens more than once, um, we want to take a look at what's causing those issues and whether or not we can fix it on a front-end perspective or really solve it from a, uh, from a hardware perspective. And there's a few things to really monitor from a hardware perspective too, right? Okay. Well, let's really kind of highlight them. It's the availability of the process, a processor. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the percent usage of the processor, which uh, again, Tabmon will record that information. There's also a workbook that's associated to it so that you can monitor this um, well over time. Um, the RAM itself, right? Um, so just how much RAM is being used? Uh, is it enough? Is it adequate? And we know that there are certain things that will be much more RAM intensive than not, right? We know anything involving extracts tend to be uh, heavy usage of, of memory, 
overall. Yep. So uh, this would involve both the creation of extracts, as well as, of course, uh, the using of those extracts there. Okay. What else? Uh, the last thing I would say is probably disk I.O. I know a lot of people tend to focus on things like, for example, how large the disk is mm -hmm. there. Uh, I tend to focus on this a little less, mainly because disks is relatively cheap. And you can swap that in and out without too many issues. But having a decent disk speed for writing extracts and pulling extracts into the data engine, both of those things end up being important. And so um, this is the risk when people end up using sort of a network storage or things that have high latency to it uh, that might be really designed for storage purposes, drives, old drives and things like that, that can cause issues there as well. So three things to monitor. If any of those, of course, hit a regular peak time, and the, the rule of thumb, at least, that we use uh, in-house with Alpo, I, I believe, is 80% or so. Mm -hmm. uh, if we are regularly hitting 80%, we should investigate those events. And the, um, the only thing Tableau charges you for is CPU cores, yeah. right? So like, if you find that you need to expand RAM, you can just add RAM to your yeah. machines, and that's fine. If you find that you need more disk space, you can just add disk space to your mm -hmm. machine, and you're fine. Um, if you find that you need more processors, that's when the Tableau licensing component comes in. Um, but that's also something that, that is right. a part of this expansion. Sometimes you need to inquire more yeah. licenses of software. Um, if uh, the other kind of triggers that, that I thought that might be useful to talk about for expansion are if your service requirements change, right? So mm -hmm. if, it's, if, if there's changes in the business or in, in the rules around how you need to provision the software to people, for example, uh, if you start hitting enough people that the company decides, well, we need to make sure this is, we have some uptime mm -hmm. uh, commitments. It needs to be, uh, needs to not go down uh, or it needs to have an automated process for bringing back up if it does go down. Right. Um, then that will naturally lead you right. to some expansion because of the uh, redundancy that we've talked about. But the other thing that I thought might be interesting to talk about is the planning uh, component of this, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, as you as you begin as you become familiar with the metrics on how a Tableau server is used, as you notice growth trends in how many people are accessing the server, you might start to be able to project usership six months out and say, mm -hmm. uh, "Well, we've been using this for six months. Uh, in month one, we had a hundred users. We now have five hundred users." Um, Maybe that means we're going to have 900 in six more months. Mm -hmm. um, can we also consider that as a means to trigger expansion for the servers? Yeah, I think when we start thinking about predicting and really estimating um, the server utilization, it's, it's an estimate at the end of the day, right? And the more facts that you have on the table are gonna allow for you to have a finer and finer estimate, um, but that there's no one predictive way for it. And mm -hmm. so uh, oftentimes I think there, there's a uh, misconception where people are saying, well, tell me the total number of users that can be on my system, right? Uh, tell me, um, well, if it's based off of activity, tell me how many activities I can actually have before things go on. And in reality, it's still, 
um, well, there's more complexity to the mix um, that we need to consider. Well, is there any way to test those fail points or places where we think the server is going to top out, at least to have some kind of general numbers right. around that? So A, um, understanding your user base is important, right? And this is where some of those server um, statistics, I think, really kind of come, comes into play for us. So this is, of course, really monitoring, like, for example, like the concurrency of your users, as well as, of course, concurrency of your activity. Is the activity rate? This helps us understand how the activity rate is really changing over time. Uh, and what we can estimate the typical user might be when we start to think about new users that we're projecting onto our system that's there. Okay. Um, what I would also kind of really highlight here as well is that don't overly focus on just the historical facts to kind of gather for your uh, estimate there. Um, like you said, right? We grew within the three months from 45 users up to 90 users. That's a 2x growth. Mm -hmm. So obviously within the next three months, uh, we're going to grow by another 2x. So 180. Uh, we're going to grow by another 90 then. Mm -hmm. um, in reality is that might not really work out that way if your company is only 90 people or if your community size at max is only going to be 90 people, right? Yeah, so trends can only tell us so much. Historical analysis can tell right. us a piece of the, the trend. Yep. Um, but plateaus also are a thing, right? Like mm -hmm. it, l linear growth is, is not typically the, the norm. Uh, so yeah, you can combine that with potential co company growth. Like a company usually knows how many people it thinks it's going to hire in the next year. Mm -hmm. um, you can combine that with projects that you see coming down the pipe. As, mm -hmm. uh, as a server administrator, you might know that there's a big analytics project going on in, uh, in a certain group that is going to need some uh, attention over the next few months, and that might lead to more growth than you expect. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that planning for growth is a valid place to expand the server. And I think that's kind of an, an, an interesting topic that people don't usually think about. It usually ends up being a reactive thing where it's like, oh, our server's breaking. I guess we need more. Um, but it, you can actually avoid some of those headaches by yeah. doing this monitoring and, and checking and seeing um, how the server is being used to the point that um, mm -hmm. that you can, you can plan and, and solve these problems before they become real problems. So getting back to, I think, just the requirements change idea that's there, I know that there are instances where expansion is sort of the, the, the real key to the conversation, right? We, we need to expand um, in order to fit a specific architecture or in order to support basically the user base that we're trying to support. But in what instances does it not make sense to expand the server, but to actually start thinking about maybe a different server or maybe, of course, to use a different Tableau product? Uh, out there. When does it make sense to use a different Tableau product? Sorry, I'm not possibly sure a different, saying. possibly a different Tableau product to solve mm -hmm. that issue, or to uh, maybe think of a, a separate server altogether. Okay. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we find that uh, the requirements that a company kind of needs to, to service multiple groups uh, mm. lead to better to them having multiple Tableau servers rather mm. than having one Tableau server that handles everything. So um, 
the segmentation kind of challenge that we were talking about earlier with maybe uh, different groups that have different needs in terms of what what service level they need, um, how much hardware they need, um, where the location, sometimes it's geographic, you know, like where the location of servers are. Um, you can you can have all those people access a single Sablo server, but it might not be ideal for all of them. And mm -hmm. so if you've got a group in China and a group in London, right, they're opposite sides of the world from each other, um, where are you going to put the server, right? Like if you put the server in London and the people in China don't have a good network connection, they're going to have slower performance, right. maybe it makes sense to have two different servers uh, and just have some sort of process that replicates content. Or do they even look at the same content, right? Mm -hmm. um, those are considerations where it actually sometimes does make sense to break into separate servers. And sometimes we see that and it works very well. So that's a good thing to mention. Um, and from a Tableau perspective, we don't mind doing that. Like, it's not like we need you to have a, one really big server. It's really about kind of finding the right place for our product in, in your use yeah. cases. Um, the other thing that sometimes we, uh, you, you mentioned another Tableau product. Is that what you meant by that? Or we, so I'm, I'm thinking even on the, on the scale, that's because when we reevaluate whether it's a server or not, I mean, other things kind of come into consideration, right? There's mm -hmm. Tableau online. Yeah, Tableau I mean, public. I guess that's a good thing to, to mention is because, you know, sometimes, um, like, if you have extensive HA requirements, right, um, uh, but you don't have a lot of other things you have to manage, uh, Tableau online provides that for you. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, and it is a fully functioning version of Tableau server that we host for you. So that actually is a great option for that. And then you don't have to buy more hardware because it's licensed differently. So sometimes right. that can be advantageous. Uh, Tableau public is a free version of Tableau that works with public data. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, so that's a great option for, for customers that want to share stuff with the world. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely other options there. I think from a Tableau server perspective, we're looking kind of at, we're kind of looking at this from sort of an enterprise perspective where it's a company that has analytics that they want to kind of proliferate to an entire business, but it might be specific to that business. Right. Um, and so the idea of just kind of getting your mind around growth mm -hmm. from the perspective of, you know, whether we license different products separately or how the hardware plays into that, these monitoring aspects all, um, all play into that. And I think that's, that's kind of a useful thought exercise. Um, the question I asked you earlier, uh, mm. was, you know, are there ways that I can test for growth, right? right. How do I actually make sure that, um, my, uh, harder requirements make sense and, and that I'm thinking about it in the right way. Right. So we might have all the facts. We might have all our estimates in order, Call up Tableau. Some guy named Charles says, "Oh, it's a, it's a twenty-four core. Um, mm -hmm. We'll meet your needs." How do we actually go about actually testing that out? Um, one of the things that you know ends up being pretty common for us is for folks to really test out the environment itself um, by actually rolling it out in that manner. That's there. We we do these with some of the larger. Um, cluster distributions as well as of course the basic uh, tool itself so it's never about basically just trialing just the software itself right you're trialing basically how the environment might actually play out and what it takes to actually kind of manage through all this so 
you know, be it 24, it's easy enough to, of course, open up license uh, trial license keys to really kind of accommodate that. But on the flip side of it, too, it's really, of course, about measuring out how it would perform mm-hmm. against that load that's there. Um, there's a few ways that you can go about doing this. One way is to use your standard run-of-the-mill load testing tool. So this might be available for, you know, uh, within your company. Uh, people have, might have used it for other purposes. And you can now actually point it directly at Tableau and, and really run similar tests in order to simulate specific loads onto uh, the environment overall. But the other thing to actually kind of highlight here, and this is actually something that's run by Neelish, uh, another product manager of ours, um, is that we actually created a basic load testing tool for Tableau um, called TabJolt. So two different tools, TabMon and TabJolt. Um, where TabMon is much more for monitoring purposes, looking at historical data and actual information, actual traffic information, um, or more specifically, actual hardware utilization perspective. Uh, TabJolt is to simulate a specific load onto typically a test environment where we can isolate and control the load specifically hitting that environment that's there. So this is definitely an option if you guys are thinking about sort of the expansion as well Um, and you want to test it out and get uh, a little vet of basically some of the the throughput numbers and things like that. Uh, TabJolt is the same tool we use for um, our scalability tests, but it really allows for us to do, to run uh, the simulated load tests. Yeah, um, it's a it's a tool that we built kind of with Tableau in mind. So that the challenge that sometimes people have with load testing tools is it doesn't incorporate kind of the way Tableau applications tend to work. Like mm-hmm. uh, the fact that when you load up a Tableau Viz, you look at it and you wait for a while before clicking on something else. Right? Uh, it's pretty um, unrealistic to expect that there's going to be a hundred people that are all clicking on a button at the exact same time with Tableau, unless your use case mm-hmm. is massive, right? I mean, right. Massive numbers of users. So Tab Jolt has kind of been configured for those sorts of scenarios. Right. Um, so it, 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 makes that, it makes that process easier mm-hmm. and it's sort of um, built by Tableau. So you can kind right. of make sure you're getting a, a Tableau specified measurement there. I think right. it's best utilized in situations like what we're describing, where there's already some understanding of how the software is being used in a company, rather than we're not sure what we want to do. We just want to do some scalability tests to figure out how much we need to start with. Because again, as we mentioned in the beginning, there's a lot of variability in that, and it's hard to trust estimates um, right. in that regard. But uh, when you're trying to expand, um, often you do have pretty good understanding of how people in your organization are using Tableau and you can start to kind of project it out and right. test those things to scale. So I, I actually do have a TabJolt uh, installed on one of our test servers um, in-house. And you do? I do. Wow. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, it's one of those things where walking through the process was definitely kind of informative for me just to kind of understand how the tool works itself. Um, so TabMon, for example... Fairly easy install. It comes with a, a clean GUI installer, uh, and you can just change configuration to say which machines you want to collect information from. TabJolt is a little bit more involved. There is a few different components to it. Uh, and, uh, even when I worked through it, I was definitely scratching my head for even it. you, Wilson. even I, even you was scratching my was head, scratching your head. For about a day. Um, Literally a day. 24 hours of head scratching. Maybe eight hours, I'd say. 
I'll get eight hours straight. Uh, I, you know, I took breaks. Yeah, I feel like you would yeah. leave a mark if you just yeah, graduated. I, I'd hurt myself. I think break the skin. But um, it took me a while to figure out that there was a small syntax error to what I was doing. Um, one of our um, other consultants, uh, Russell, actually pointed this out to me. And fixing the small issue actually kind of resolved everything, allowed for me to collect data. But pretty easy to use, and there's a lot, lot of configuration there, including, of course, uh, what views you want to test things against, so you can use it against your existing content, um, the number of users you want to actually spin up to simulate what's going on, as well as, of course, even configuring things like the think time, uh, which we tend to actually force as being zero for our own testing, right? So this is the time in between clicks that people have at sort of reacting to what gets loaded onto their screen. Um, Do you remember Jolt Cola? Jolt Cola. Yeah. Um, it was like a cola that had a lot of caffeine in it. Yeah, I, I seem to remember that. Um, it didn't get banned. I'm pretty sure Tab Jolt is the Jolt Cola of scalability <laughs> testing applications. <laughs> I will warn one thing, which is what Neelish actually warned me about. Make sure you load Tab Jolt onto a testing uh, machine that is typically not running other things to it. Uh, one of the big things you'll, you'll, you'll find is that if, uh, again, if we start to hit a cap where we're maxing out with the processor power or the, the RAM that's available, that the load that's simulating will be less than what it's configured to go against. So typically keep it at 80% or lower is, is our general mark there. But if you can't go through this, there's there's a lot, I think, that comes into sort of managing Tableau server. I think one thing that's worth kind of discussing is, well, uh, the question that we typically hear, right? You know, what, what type of headcount allocation are we talking about here? Um, so should we kind of revisit what we've kind of sought out for and kind of just start figuring out what that might look like from a headcount perspective? Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think um, I think if you're saying that's, that's something to consider when mm -hmm. doing this sizing exercise and thinking about when it's appropriate to expand the server, yeah, absolutely. It's something that like, it's, it's important for customers to ask themselves that when they're looking at usage and mm -hmm. also planning out kind of headcount. So I think all these things kind of work in tandem to kind of give people an idea of when it's appropriate to grow uh, their Tableau server. Um, so to summarize, the, uh, the three different stages that we kind of talked through were the planning and kind of before Tableau installation phase, mm -hmm. the first period we called it kind of the first three months i think that's kind of a good way to think about it and then after that um, not necessarily at the three month mark but kind of sometime after you've given the server a chance to establish itself within your organization um, what are some things you can do to augment it and start thinking about further growth um, i think this is a good framework to think about if you're planning or implementing a tableau server um, any final thoughts wilson before we wrap up Eh, not too much, I think. I think that's pretty good. I no think... final thoughts. I have a final thought. Oh. Uh, final analogy rankings. Okay. So finishing in a tie for last place, uh, Wilson's fridge analogy. Analogy. I still like the fridge. Comparing analogy. a fridge to a BI project. Um, 
I'm with the I. No, no, no. It, it's more of the infrastructure. Either way. <laughs> tied for last place. Also tied for last place. Wilson's weight analogy. Comparing, uh, weighing yourself every day to looking at uh, Tableau uh, statistics on your server every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, also tied for last place, Wilson's highway analogy. Um, comparing uh, the number of lanes on a highway to the scalability and performance of a Tableau server. And in first place, my comparison of Jolt Cola to Tab Jolt. Clearly the best analogy of the night and the winner of today's analogy award. Congratulations to me in my excellent analogy. You're receiving an Amazon gift card. I already have. (laughs) From yourself. Two Charles from Charles, good for one Joel Cole. Thank you, Charles. <laughs>